this is the, the first time that this thought has crossed my mind, but if we're as humans born sinful and there's no way out of that except through Christ, which I think we're, we don't argue on, like, obviously, but he was without sin and he was fully human. So if we were born into sin, then there would have been no way yep. for him to have been sinless, right? Because that's the so, nature of humans. Yeah. So here's my, here's where I'm splitting the hairs with this. And it may seem silly to split this hair, but I actually think it's important because it goes into how we view ourselves as valuable and worthy, like in our, our in, intrinsic worth as a human being and how God designed us. Welcome to the Conscious Christian Conversations podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Kyleen. We are two spunky Christians with diverse backgrounds and life experiences who want to encourage each other and you listening to challenge your subconscious beliefs. Each episode, the two of us will be having a conversation around a specific topic that we may or may not have different perspectives on. If you haven't already, please listen to episode one to learn what we are all about. Without further ado, here is today's episode. Welcome everybody. Hi, Tanya. It's nice to see Hi, you. Hi, Kylene. Uh, today we are talking about original sin. And just to give everybody on the podcast an insight to behind the scenes what's happening, sometimes what you're seeing in real time in these episodes is me asking these questions mm -hmm. <laughs> to myself. Well, I, I have so many questions of my, my own on this yeah. topic. So this is going to be like a legit, we don't really know what we're talking about here. <laughs> so, so this is what's happening. Like I was going through life and in a week, a week and a half ago or something, the, the question popped up in my mind. Why do we believe that we are born sinful? And I was like, what does the Bible actually say about that? I'm like, I know why we believe this and I know where it comes from, but do I, and you know, it's just reiterating that idea of any, anything that you've been raised with any, any belief or thought or system that you are, it's just so part of you because you've quote unquote, always known it or always been taught it, you know, it's valid to question it. And, um, so I started thinking about this. So I kind of looked it up and I was like, no way. Are there really only like three verses that kind of indicate this? And cause the, the ones that kind of indicated it, I didn't feel like were really strong in terms of like convincing me that it's what it meant. And so I had this, um, it's funny cause it was not the topic of our Bible study last week, but it totally came up. Cause we get on these little tangents and we talk about, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And I'm like, okay, but then you're, you're talking about being poor. So anyway, here's my, here's the question. Here's the topic today. And it may seem at some point like I'm splitting hairs, but here's the topic today. And that is, are we born as babies sinners or is there another option? So uh, the idea of original sin is that every human after Adam and Eve are born sinful. Although I think, and this is what the conversation is going to be. I think there may be some other ways to think about this. So. I'm excited because I, I've had, I look forward I, to your, your, your take on some of it. Cause you always have some interesting thoughts. <laughs> My brain is just a fascinating place. <laughs> There's just lots of things rolling around in there. You know, every once in a while they bump up against each other. I've had lots more questions and thoughts come up this week. And um, so anyway, it was an interesting conversation because it did come up uh, during the Bible study last week. And I was like, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And um. So anyway, I'm just not at a place where I'm convinced one way or another. So I thought we could maybe talk about it. And I threw it out there as a, as a, an idea because it had popped into my head and Tanya was like, yes, let's talk about it. So 
all of you listening may go, well, die. I already know the answer to this. Or maybe like me, you believe something your entire life and you're like, wait, what does the Bible actually say about it? So here we are. Yeah. So I'm assuming Tanya that had I brought this up a month ago, both of us would have said, um, yeah, we're just, we're born sinners. That's the way, right? Like I'm, I'm kind of assuming that's like the position that we both would come from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I still, so my question actually takes a step back and I want to know where sin actually comes from. And so like, if you think about it from not even from a human perspective, but like God is up there and he's making the earth and he made the angels, which I think was on day three, if I'm remembering. And then, and then Lucifer was like the thought of as like the highest angel. And then he became prideful and wanted to be greater than God. And then he fell and then he became Satan and then he ruled the world. And now we're where we're at. So I'm like, in my mind, and I think this is part of my question of original sin, which is a little bit of a tangent, but where did that come from? Like if he's up in heaven and God doesn't live in with sin, like you can't abide it. Where did that original thought of Satan come from? So I actually have kind of somewhat of an answer to this because, um, this was something that we were talking about last week in our Bible study, because we awesome. were, going, we're going through, um, near Christianity. C.S. Lewis is talking mm-hmm. about all these different ideas about like, um, the existence of morality and, um, what he believes is really good evidence of God existing because there's a natural innate sense of morality in people. And one of the things that he was talking about in the discussion we had last week in the, the chapters we were looking at had to do with basically, yeah, where, where good and evil comes from. And one of the things that he said was <clears throat> good is in and of itself a thing. Like it, it just exists. You can be good to be good. Evil and sin um, cannot exist without good. Mm-hmm. So meaning it's a perversion of goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so goodness is what God created. Evil is just a perversion of, of that thing. It's not, well, I think goodness it, is what God is. Like, I don't know that he right. created it. He just, and, good. but, but humans can do good things just for the sake of being good with no other motivation. Mm-hmm people doing bad things always do them with some sense of a perverted notion of goodness. So there's some sort of benefit that people get from doing these things. That's typically, um, in, in its core, in its root, in its original creation, a good motivation or a benefit of some sort, but it's been twisted and manipulated. And now it is bad. So like, for example, if like, I always go back to this cause, um, it's, you know, what I talk about all the time, but like you talk about addiction, right? It's fulfilling is a bad behavior that's fulfilling a good um, human need or desire or want. So for example, you have a core need to feel loved and um, that's a good, that's a good, beautiful, wonderful thing. Like we're designed to have community and and love and all this kind of stuff. We're designed to be creatures in communication with God and other humans. And what they're, what addiction is doing is finding um, fulfillment, like, uh, that's a, that's a bad word for it, but um, it's an attempt to fulfill that void, um, that good that with, you know, what could be fulfilled with goodness, it's an attempt to fill it in an unhealthy way. So it's still seeking goodness at the core, at the root and going about it in a poor way. And so um, any, like all of, if you're saying like, where does sin come from? There's always some little kernel of goodness in it because, because evil cannot exist without good, but good can completely exist without evil at all. Right. And I, and I get that, but I'm just like, where would this kernel of perversion have come from 
in Satan, in Lucifer's mind before. He yeah. Could. So just, I mean, thinking about like, um, there's goodness in wanting to feel, um, strong, right. There's goodness in wanting to feel powerful. There's, there's goodness in, um, I don't know what his particular motivations are. The thing, when you, when you ask a question like that, the only way to answer it is to say, well, what was the original thought, the original yeah. desire? And that's something that we would never know. Right. But if you go all the way back to like, what was his original thought? Maybe his original thought was teaming up with God, right? Like being God's strongest, most powerful angel doing good in the world. Maybe that is what his original thought was like, well, you know, you know, we don't know. Yeah. And yeah. then actually speaking of speaking of the thoughts that have been bumping around in my head, because we think of Satan as of as um, an angel that was fallen, um, like the angel of light and all this kind of stuff, the thought has crossed my mind of does Satan have conflict because he was good at one time and now mm -hmm. he, right. So is there ever conflict? Is there ever regret? Is there ever re like, I don't yeah, that's actually, that's interesting. Right? I never really thought about that. I know. I know. really care. Like he did it to himself, but then you can say that, but then it's like, well, we do it to ourselves too. So maybe know, we should care a little bit more. It's yeah. So, so, okay. So talking about though, are we born in sin? Okay. So here's, here's yeah. where I'm going to start splitting hairs and making heads explode probably. So the idea generally, generally accepted in the Christian community, I would say is that you are born a sinner. And of course, there's a lot of like internal conflict with this, right? You're like, really? Like a baby is sinful, right? So people have all sorts of different ways of figuring this out in their own um, religions and faith and the way they view it. Like pe some people will say, well, there's an age of accountability where someone basically um, doesn't have like the awareness of being good or being bad um, until a certain age. And at that point, they come into consciousness essentially and are making grown up choices. And, and at that point it's a choice to do bad and, and it's sin, right? So some people believe that some people believe we're just born sinful. So I started questioning this. I'm like, where the heck does this come from? So there is, there is one verse <laughs> that kind of, I mean, there's several verses, but particularly one that seems kind of damning in this area. And that is in Psalms and it's um, Psalm 51, five, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, my mother conceived me. However, I'm just going to open up a big can of worms here and say, because I brought the, this, uh, someone brought this up in, in the Bible study and they were like, well, Psalms says I was born in iniquity. First of all, I'm going to talk about different ways to understand that verse in just a second. But secondly, let's just say you take that through the interpretive lens of that meaning that you were born a sinful human being. Psalms, this is where people are going to get upset with me, I think. Psalms <laughs> is a collection of songs, poetry, thoughts, emotions, and feelings that a human being wrote down. Now, her retort to me was, which is fine. This is probably most people's retort. I shouldn't say retort response, um, was, um, well, Psalms is inspired just like everything else in the Bible is. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have like a little, I have a thought here. Psalms is a collection of feelings and emotions. There's value within that. But does that mean that that feeling that someone had that's written in a poetic format should be interpreted literally in a way that dictates our theology? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but I think then that kind of comes back to a conversation about like, is the Bible true? Is it divinely inspired? Is it? No, but see, like, yes, it does come back to that. But also there, it's like, there's, how do I say this? There's flexibility within that. Of, yeah. Okay. Is it inspired? Yes. Does that mean 
that you read that literally? No, it's a figurative poetic form. Well, okay. So let me pause you in that argument with Psalms and come back to, okay, because as you were talking and I've never thought about this before. So um, this is the, the first time that this thought has crossed my mind, but if we're as humans born sinful and there's no way out of that except through Christ, which I think we're, we don't argue on, like, obviously, but he was without sin and he was fully human. So if we were born into sin, then there yeah. would have been no way yeah. for him to have been sinless, right? Because that's the so, nature of humans. Right. The argument is that it is in our nature, right? right? And your argument is exactly what I came up with as well. If God yeah. was fully human. Okay. So let me rewind that. It means bit. that there would be a way for us to not have a sinful nature. So we're not necessarily born with it, but it's something that we. Yeah. So here's my, here's where I'm splitting the hairs with this. Mm-hmm. And it may seem silly to split this hair, but I actually think it's important because it goes into how we view ourselves as valuable and worthy, like in our, our in, intrinsic worth as a human being and how God designed us. And that's why I think this is worth asking the question. And that is, are we born a sinful human or are we born with the knowledge of good and evil, which then inevitably leads to sin. There's no way to really get around that. Do you see the difference? I do. I do. Very, very different. But I started thinking about it and I thought, think about this. We have the physical understanding of an egg fertilized or a sperm fertilizing an egg. And we understand how a human is created that way physically. However, Mm -hmm. nobody understands how a spiritual being is created from this physical interaction, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. then you look at science and all this kind of stuff and you have, um, you have this burst of light at conception, which is absolutely the coolest thing that they ever discovered, I think. And then you you have this light and frequency that leaves the body upon the moment of death, right? And then we also have the understanding that God is light and that we are images of God. And there's a lot of this, we are little reflections of God and all this kind of stuff. So my thought process is that burst of light is the creation of a soul. And we have the physical understanding through science. But if we are Christians believing that God is involved in creating spiritual beings, then we have this, um, we have this, uh, the interaction, right. Where God is involved in the creation of this human being. It's not mm-hmm. just a physical act. Right. So he, he inputs a soul into, um, into the baby, a conception, and it is a human. Okay. So God is never going to create anything that is not good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I realize at some points yeah. my logic could be proven <clears throat> wrong because we don't understand, like maybe, maybe, you know, well, how does this work? Maybe everything I just said is not true. Right. Right. It, like following that line, if God mm-hmm. is creating at that moment, nothing he creates can be bad. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we have, let's just follow this train for a minute. We have at conception, you are created a good, whole, beautiful being sinless. Um, but because of Adam and Eve, you are born into a world of sin into a womb that has generational trauma into a body that epigenetically passes information to you and into a world that has been impacted by sin. And you are born into, um, the, you, you have that, um, spiritual, um, 
sense of a knowledge of good and evil. I don't know that's a tangible thing that we can really explain, but it's like, you know, as soon as they had the fruit in the garden, they were imparted this information, right? So Mm -hmm. whatever that means on a spiritual level. Yeah. And, and I, I hear what you're saying, but so looking at kind of conception is two distinct things that are happening. One is God has created the spirit, like the perfect version of us that is infused into the flesh. And then the fleshly part, which is like the fusion of the sperm and the egg, but then looking at like all of the information that is ingrained into our DNA and that we've learned through epigenetics and epigenetics is totally in the Bible as like a thing, right? The generational curses that happen um, and things like that. But if we think about somehow when they ate the fruit, that there's something that fundamentally changed the DNA of the human race through Adam and Eve. It could and be that, physiological, yeah. Right. And that, yeah. and that is like ingrained into us, mm-hmm. then, then God isn't, uh, God isn't necessarily creating something bad but fusing with the physical. However, if right. you take Jesus as an example, that kind of falls apart, right? Because Jesus yep. was in utero. And if he was, no, no, but, but I like what you said though, about it being the knowledge of good and evil, because if it's the knowledge and not necessarily that we're born sinful, but Mm -hmm. the knowledge, and then we are born into the world. And then as babies, like we have this in our DNA or, you know, whether or not you want to buy into that, but, um, but then you're being trained by your environment, which, you know, is perpetuated, like, you know, sin entered originally. And then all the babies there on out would be trained in there's, like the good and no the bad way. right i think i think in my perspective there would be no way to be born into a world where the the where sin has already impacted it and to have the knowledge of good and evil and not at some point make a poor poor choice right exactly right? like i just don't think but jesus could have because of his relationship with god and he and like right, as but God, then that's going say. back into being born as a sinner or being born into sin. Right. And that's what I'm saying because that's what I'm yes. Because if Jesus was fully human, then and it was being born a sinner, then could he have come out of utero without that happening? You you see what I'm saying? Right. So I I I don't know. I that that's kind of where my thought is, and I, it sounds maybe silly to say born a sinner versus born into sin, but I do think that plays really strongly into how we view our worth and. In the work that I'm doing now with emotional processing and trauma work, um, this really aligns with the way we think about things too, because what I do, what I'm doing, what I've gone through myself and what I'm doing with my clients basically is this idea that God created us as a whole human being. And as we go through life and experience different pain and things, we have these little fragments that come off of us because of pain and because of, um, you know, hurt and because of these emotional wounds and these become parts of us that we then have to heal and integrate back into the whole. And so if you think that you are born a sinner, then it's like, what whole do you have to return back to? But if you think that God created this spirit soul version of you, that is whole, that is complete, that is beautiful. And we're born into sin and we inevitably make poor choices. And then God can redeem us and create us back into that whole unified yeah. and we can work towards that. So I don't know, in, in, in the way I've been learning things, the way I've been practicing things, the way I've been thinking about things, that just makes more sense to me in terms of like, you are valuable. He created something really good. We messed it up. Um, we can combine personal work and spiritual um, 
uh, accept, accepting God's gifts to kind of create that whole human being again, which op- like ultimately happens in heaven but you see what I'm saying does that make sense yeah well I mean if you look at the heavenly bodies and like essentially that we stay as we stay as ourselves like we're fundamentally still ourselves we're we're known as or uh how does that go we're known as we have been known or something like that right like so in heaven and so I I, I've been thinking a lot about this as well kind of from some of our revelation studies and then like our idea of conscience and and that it, we're kind of born with that and that's separate from the Holy Spirit. Oh, like yeah. that would make sense that there's still that perfect God made me and there's a perfect God made you, but we can't get there because we've got all the, the other stuff from this human body. And, and when we get our heavenly bodies, like I truly think that our heavenly bodies will be our perfect spirit in the way that God made us. And that's where we, how we get to live in heaven, because we no longer have the earthly body that has that, that knowledge of good and evil or the sin or whatever we want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I totally agree with you. And like, I think that's how we can always continuously work and improve ourselves because we're the deeper we go in our personal journey, like we can start to tap into those pieces of our, our actual beautiful self and pull that out and start to exhibit that more and more, but it's really hard to do because we have to overcome all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about how God views you and um, how it talks about um, being washed and cleansed and all this kind of stuff. It's like, he knows how he created you and he knows what you're supposed to be without sin. And I think when you accept his gift, it's almost like he's seeing that version of you that was meant to be. Yes, exactly. And that will be in eternity. Mm-hmm. And then on earth, it's our job to essentially, you know, we would call it sanctification, becoming more like Christ, right? But mm-hmm. um, I do also think it's almost like this returning to this knowing of like who we are supposed to be, or, you know, again, getting woo in, in sort of the emotional processing world and stuff. It's like connecting to your higher self, right? Right, And that essentially is the version of you. To me, when I say higher self, it is the version of you that is the eternal version of you. The perfect version. Yeah. Yeah, It's the soul version. It's the one that has the highest level of understanding. It's the one that lives eternally. It's the, you know, it's that part of you. And um, that's the God created part, right? Mm -hmm. Like not that he didn't have, um, you know, impact on the physical maybe as well. But um, I think sometimes in the physical realm, we talked about this a little bit in the spiritual warfare po- podcast episode. I think in the physical realm, sometimes he just lets things roll. Yeah. Right? Like, like, I don't think he, like, if you were to say, well, God creates, you know, he knits you in your mother's womb. Yes. Is that to say, well, maybe I was born, um, with, um, without a hand, for example, with um, mm-hmm. some sort of physical malady, right. Um, then is that to say that God did that or did he just allow the physical realm um, and genetics and life and uh, different combinations of things happening in the physical to kind of play out? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I mean, the knitting could be the human body, like the earthly fleshly part knitted with our heavenly Right. And that's what I'm I'm kind of thinking with this conversation is not that he's not involved. Of course he is. He, he's, he is, but what I'm saying is exactly that. Maybe that concept he's knitting me in my mother's womb and he knew me before I was born is really that creation of the soul aspect mm-hmm. of it. You know? He, yeah. Because one of the things, you know, that, that I've been, that I, I still struggle with is trying to understand like why he knew that 
he knew that mankind would have fallen. Like, why would he have? And, and so looking at it from this perspective, actually, okay, so I'm, I'm scattered because I'm just like processing all of this. And the, looking at it from this perspective is actually really cool because that, that answers some of those questions. It's like, well, why would he make, like he knew Eve was going to eat the apple. He knew Adam was going to choose. He knew mankind would become fallen. Why would he create something that was doomed to, to, to eternal hell? And so, but if we look at it from the perspective that he is creating us as our heavenly beings, that's our introduction into like, into the universe, I guess. And then okay, so here, oh yeah, go ahead. Cause I have another thought that's like blowing up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. So I'm just, I'm just processing out no, loud. No, this is fine. So. We're both processing. So there's another thought that people have, cause you were just saying, um, a spiritual, um, being introduced into the world, right? Right. So, well, into the universe, like into, into being. The, yeah, into right? being. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So some people would argue with that. Not most Christians, but some people actually I I have found this thought to be to be fascinating. Very, very interesting. I thought about it for a while. I don't think I believe it. However, there is a little room for doubt with me. So <laughs> that is the idea that we were heavenly beings, eternal beings created existing with God before we were born into physical bodies. You know, and I so always thought that that used to be my belief. I'm mm -hmm. still a little foggy about, but it, it makes more so, sense to me to think that we were not. And then we were right. Well, into, yeah, here's, but. here's some reasons, both directions that people can think through. So if we were in existence before, First of all, that could just be like a time thing that we don't understand, right? Correct, right. So there's the, that's where there's the little seed of like, well, maybe this is true because- And I that's kind of what I started yeah. thinking about because I was like, well, we could have existed forever and we still can exist forever with God outside of time. But at yeah. some point we have to be introduced into the timeline. Right, and that's the so- existence. Yeah, time, man. It really messes everything I, up. It totally so does. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is okay. So there are some stories that are very, very compelling about people, children, a lot of times, which makes sense because like children are more receptive to like the spiritual realm mm -hmm. and speaking to angels, and all this kind of stuff. But a lot, of, there are several stories of children being like, I picked you as my family, or I chose you, or I remember this, or I remember like basically before being born, right? Um, from like a spiritual, heavenly kind of celestial right. perspective. Um, I also heard a story one time, this person essentially, I don't know, if, I think it was like a near death experience or something. And they, they left their body and they were, uh, I'm going to get this totally messed up, but you'll get the general idea. Basically they were, um, confronted in heaven with like, they had this like conversation in heaven outside of their body. And, um, it was like, oh, they were, they had this realization that they had been this spiritual being that had accepted this body and this life that they were given. That blew me away because then I thought, what if I thinking about everything that my husband and I have gone through and the pain that we have gone through and how we've come out of it and the way we chose to face it and the things that we're doing now with it. I thought if I was my highest, the highest version of myself in eternity with the knowledge that you have in eternity, being in the presence of God with all of the information that that comes with presented with the opportunity to be the person that was chosen to live this life. Would I have accepted that as a challenge? And my immediate answer was, yes, I would, because I think I have the spirit to accomplish it and mm -hmm. to actually overcome. So it's a, it, it's an idea that, okay, if you had all that knowledge and you were present, you said, okay, 
I'm asking you to go into this physical body now, understanding that with the physical body comes the forgetfulness of your spiritual self with the forgetful, you know, the disconnect to the spiritual realm and everything. And you go, yeah, but I know like deep, deep, deep down. I know like what my core is, what my soul is, what my spirit is. I know that I'm going to hold on to that. Do I think I can be the one that's thrown into a physical body and do what I'm supposed to do? And being me, I'm like, yeah, I think I would, I think I would accept that challenge, you know? So it's just a very interesting idea. I don't know that it necessarily holds weight, but I have heard some interesting stories of like things that kids have said, and I find it very fascinating. And I do think because of the time thing, there's always just a little seed of like, okay, yeah, maybe we don't understand how it works. But on the opposite side, I was talking to a friend about this idea and um, she's very um, knowledgeable about translations and words in the Bible and everything. And she said, basically that the the words in scripture indicate that there is a beginning to life with humans and that the word used like with God is different in terms of like, there is no beginning, there is no end. And with mm-hmm. us, there is a start. So our souls have a start and, you know, they don't have an end point because we are created eternally, but they do have a beginning. And they would have to, right? Because God had, like God has, God created everything. And so we had to, at some point be interjected into what he created. So we do have to have that. Not even from a physical perspective, but like if you're thinking about it from a soul perspective. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Like even with the angels, he created the angels and like he created the heavens. And so, I mean, maybe we were created from a soul perspective at that point, but then he, like, when was that though? Right. Maybe it hasn't happened yet. That's what, when I try to like wrap my brain around it, I it's just, I mean, we can't, we can't understand ourselves being outside of time, but I am firmly like the, the more and more I read and learn and think I am firmly like time doesn't exist for God. Right. I think that most people can agree with that. So he's outside of time, which then we would be existing in our heavenly body now with God in heaven, assuming we chose Christ, then so is there a part, part of our being that stays connected to that right like a tiny part of our consciousness that is aware of that then which then also answers a lot of questions about why people are constantly trying to connect to the consciousness that is correct. everyone yeah right yes whether you call it god or you know the universe or whatever like everybody i think for the most part um but um but yes and so then it would make sense that at some point like he would have initially created us as you know, infusing us into the human body. And that's part of the experience that we go through mm-hmm. it. With all yeah. the limitations and blocks that that comes, right, with. Yeah. That comes mm-hmm. with it. And maybe that was, well, it, it had to. So here's something else that I think kind of plays into this with the whole idea of, well, why did he create us if we're going to be fallen and, you know, there's the potential for, for damnation. And there was a passage and I cannot find it. And I think it's in revelation and I was searching for it all week and I don't know where I read it, but it had, or maybe it was in Job. I didn't even look in Job. Maybe it was in Job. Anyway, it was, it said something about how humans are teaching angels, like, like God is using us humans to teach his angels something. And and it, it didn't really say angels, but like, that was the gist of it. And I really, I'm going to do some more. I'm going to find this because I know it exists. I'm going to have to talk to my pastor. Maybe he knows what I'm talking about. Maybe, but, um, but if he, like, there might be a greater purpose to why we have to go through this earthly piece 
Because if he made angels to strictly be spiritual beings and they don't have any idea what it's like to be humans and to, you know, I don't know. I, I think that there's something there where, where our struggles here on earth, like there is a greater purpose to it in heaven that we just have absolutely no idea about. Sure, and sure. I've been thinking a lot about that. It's like, well, what's the greater point? Because he could have just created us as angels and we could have all skipped this earthly part, <laughs> and, yeah. you know? But like, there's something, there's something more there. There's a greater purpose for our struggles, why we have to choose and why we have to face eternal damnation. Like, and I think it comes back to something that we have no so clue even about. Even the way you word that though, like we talked about talking about hell and not talking about hell. Um, I would actually word that instead of eternal damnation, and maybe that's the way people want to view it. I would actually term that uh, separation from God. That's how I would word that. Well, that that's actually my definition of damnation is is eternal separation from God. And I actually yeah. didn't for the longest time believe in in hell and pits of fire. I just literally thought it was we are these beings that create, like have to have that connection, and then we're cut off from God. Uh, but you know that to me is like the epitome of hell, right? Like if I don't have that peace and love in my heart from him, like I just, but, but that's a whole nother conversation that we can have at some point. I know. I am. So yeah. However, I mean, yeah, you're right. Damnation kind of brings up that, you know, fire, brimstone, whatever. Punishment um, comes up with punishment. Like, punishment. Yeah. As, as opposed to think about it this way, it's a boundary. Yeah. God sets boundaries for being in relationship with him, which is a very healthy thing to do. And if we don't choose to be in that relationship, then we are separated from them. We, like anybody else, get to choose what we do with those boundaries. We can respect them or we cannot respect them. Well, there are natural consequences to crossing boundaries. But it definitely does talk about hell and pits of fire. So we'll have to come. Yeah, we can talk about that. Yeah, we will we'll revisit that conversation. I know we've said that yeah. on here like 10 times. They're probably like, get to it already. Have a conversation. <laughs> We're like, we will. We will. Give us a minute. <laughs> it's my fault, everyone. I keep telling Tanya I want to wait on it. Okay. It's true. So it's true. Going back, some to sort of being, I, going back to, I have lots of blocks, Tanya. Going back to, um, oh, yeah. uh, heavenly bodies born into sin. Okay. Yes. So, so then you, you, okay. So let's just agree to agree right now. Um, okay, you agree? <laughs> we've come that, to a solution here Yeah, that we are, let's just pretend that we know that we are not in utero sinners. Okay. Our mother, our mother is, but we maybe are born without sin at that moment. Okay. But we are born maybe with not with sin, but with the knowledge. Yes. We are born yes. with the knowledge yeah. and we are born, uh, into a simple world where it is inevitable to eventually choose to, unless you're way. Jesus. And then you can get away with right. not doing it because you have that. So then that comes into, cause this came up in the conversation the other day too, about children being inherently selfish and crying and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I just don't view that the same. Like, um, yeah. I guess as a sin, I'm like, if a kid right. is crying, they're trying to communicate. If they're ignored, they're going to try to communicate louder. I don't right. think that is like sin. No, no, that's not <laughs> sinful at all. That's no, for sure. Like, and, but well, I mean, and then you, but you do have like examples of like really early on in life, kids are like, give me that toy. Right. I, I don't, like, is that sinful or is that them just like learning through experience and like experimenting and like, you know See, what I mean? I go, so is I go back clearly selfishness or is that just. I don't know. I go back to looking at that. I go back to looking at like, I don't know that anyone would argue that animals are sinful. Like I've never heard someone say that they think that a lion is sinful, but a lion well, that would get, have that, that would have to do with like the soul. Right. Well, but let me, let me talk. <laughs> 
no, no, I just mean like, let me tell no, I just mean like you can't sin unless you have a soul is my point. So like, nobody would argue like animals would be sinful because they don't have a soul. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that comes back to, do you think there are going to be animals in heaven? Right? Like I fully believe there are going to be animals in heaven. So does that mean they have a soul? I don't don't know. Yeah. Okay. So that's a different conversation. But, but my point is like, no, one's going to argue that, that a lion is sinful, but a lion will kill a rival lion cub. A lion will steal food from a different lion. You know, a lion will fight for, for power and control. Like that is their inherent nature. And I wouldn't call it sinful. That's the way that God created the world to interact. Um, and so like, to me, I think about babies being that same kind of nature, like self-preservation. That's the way that we're kind of built and it's not inherently sin. It's just like, although then you could actually argue in the garden of Eden, lions would, would lay with yeah, lambs that's what I was and not eat. And we were not actually created that way. That happened as a result of the fall. Mm, okay. Well, maybe that, that tosses yeah. that argument then. <laughs> But I think going back, that's what I'm saying is like, I think the only reason people would say the animal kingdom isn't sinful uh, is just because there's a difference between like humans have souls and animals don't. Um, that's yeah, like, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't, I think animals are in heaven. I totally believe. Yeah. Animals heaven. And so I how can animals be in heaven if they don't have souls? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I know don't them. I don't know. See, and the, the Bible is so silent on this. It's like, you can, I mean, Jesus comes down on a horse at then time. So, I mean, that's kind of evidence of animals in heaven, right? I, I, don't think, you know, I don't think a soul one way or the other makes the determination of whether they're in heaven or not. That's what I'm saying. Well, but then if we're using that as an argument for them to be able to be sinful. No, I'm saying they don't have a soul, so they're not sinful. And and they don't have to have a soul to be in heaven. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess then what's the definition of soul to you? Because to me, a soul, a soul is our heavenly body. Like that's for our humans, heavenly spirit. For humans, right? Well, I think for, it is for, and I don't think we can have two different definitions of what a soul is. Soul is a soul. Well, okay. But then, so what's but the definition then you have of soul? to get, so then you have to, to define then what the difference between humans and animals would be to God in terms of like, why would, if an animal has a soul, why wouldn't they need salvation? Because they don't sin. If they would, if they have a soul. Well, okay. So are you saying that the soul is the spirit? See, I'm saying that the soul is the spirit. The soul and the spirit are the same things. Are they different? I don't really know that it matters. Well, it does because you can't exist up in heaven if you don't have something like that, which is it, we just agreed on I that is our heavenly animals. I think he could cre- think about angels don't have souls. Don't they? I mean, they are the soul. They're, right? they, they are they're spiritual beings. beings. Yeah. Okay. So, so I think we're arguing semantics. Animals. I think we're arguing semantics here. I'm calling the soul the spiritual being of a person. Okay. So to me, like the spirit, the spiritual being that is an angel is the soul. Like that they're they're the angels. They're it's their spiritual what like, differentiates their an heavenly from body, a human? right? What differentiates an angel from a human? They're completely spiritual. They have no physical form. They have no physical, like human fleshly form. They can though. They can, but they, but that would be more like Jesus's post re- or Jesus's resurrection body. Like he they had a physical come, they form. They come in and out of that. Correct. Though. Right. Yeah. Okay. But like, this is, 
it's getting too technical. I don't know how to describe it. That's what I'm saying. Like angels and animals are different than humans. There is something spiritually unique that God created about human beings that differentiates us and sets us, apart, sets us apart, which is what requires us to have the relationship with him in order to have eternity with him. Okay. And, so see, it also plays into the reason that we, that, that we need to be repentant and recognize sin and have the sanctification process that both angels and animals do not have to go through. I don't, I'm not, not saying I necessarily know the answer to that, like what the difference is like on a spiritual soul level, but there is something that is very different as being created a human that sets us apart. And the Bible does talk about that. And, um, on the spiritual hierarchy, which is kind of, if I remember correctly, which is kind of mind blowing because of how powerful angels are, they're slightly underneath humans. So there, and that's because of the, really, where does it say that? I don't because, ever remember that. because we have the image of God and they don't. Hmm. So my understanding and, and a lot of people, I think that, like, I've heard this a lot is that when we die, we turn into angels. So you're arguing they're completely separate. Oh, they're totally creation. separate. Yeah. Uh -uh. We don't turn into angels, but no. we'll get our heavenly bodies, but that's different than an angelic body. Mm -hmm. Totally. So then your argument is that animals then would be present in heaven, but they wouldn't be subjected to the sin part, but that they have maybe not souls, but they'll have their own spiritual recreation in heaven. Well, what does that mean about my cat that died? Will I get to see her? Like, do I get her? Is it a, like I a totally hope so. new cats? Like, that's my argument. Like, I have no basis for, for this argument, except for the fact that I... Knowing what I know about God, he would not create something that we love so much and then not let us spend eternity with it. I am sorry. That is my one and only argument for my cat being in heaven waiting for me when I die. <laughs> I don't know. There's no marriage in heaven either. So yeah, but I mean, everybody. How, how can you go from them. somebody that is like, you know, if you believe in soulmates, which I actually do, which maybe is another conversation, but if you believe in soulmates, then you understand that there is no marriage in heaven and how sad does that make you? Right. But that's really just because we don't understand how heaven works. Yeah. But I, and I think that's it. Like, I think that the closest that we can get on earth to the relationships that we'll have like in heaven with all of it, I think it, that marriage on earth is the closest that we can get, but I think we'll have that kind of relationship with everybody in heaven. Like that's what I envision heaven being like. And that's why there's such strict like goals like if you look at this the sermon on the mount and like the you you have to be humble you have to be you know all of the things i'm yeah. not great at remembering all everything but like essentially that's what everybody to be able to be in the kingdom of god like that's what you have to be and so we're all going to have just like that overwhelming love for each other that to, to me is symbolized by marriage in on earth but like humans can't fairly commit to more than one person, which is why we're told to, that's my idea. Maybe we should have a conversation on marriage at some point. <laughs> I think that that's a very, very interesting look at it. And I've never thought about the fact that if we were born inherently sinful, then Jesus could not have been sinless. Mm -hmm. Like he couldn't have, because if he's fully human and we're born sinners, then he couldn't have been sinful because he would have violated his own his own rule the laws of nature, basically. and he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. So 
Yeah, I think that that I think his life alone is evidence enough that we're not born sinful. Yeah. But that it is something that is a learned behavior because we're born into a sinful world and that we have that knowledge of good and evil ingrained in our I think it's probably ingrained in our DNA. Like I literally think that there's probably something that happened in the Garden of Eden where it got, you know, ingrained in our DNA and then and then we also learn the behaviors from the humans around us because that's how we were made. Mm-hmm. as humans and so then we mimic some of those bad behaviors and things like that too right because the knowledge itself doesn't make you sinful it gives mm-hmm. you the opportunity to sin right and now i'm going to argue that we're not born sinful <laughs> i mean that's why i don't know that's that's my thought with it is i i, I don't know I, I yeah i guess my perspective has just shifted on that because well i mean you brought up such a really good point about god doesn't create bad things Like he would only be creating good things. I think that there might be some truth to what you're saying about um, maybe I have also my whole life been giving more credit to the intervention of Satan and God in our day-to-day lives. Like maybe he did just kind of make it and just let it go because it's a self, like a self- um, a self-cleaning fish tank, right? Like it's a, it, the world is made to continue on. Like if he were to remove himself completely, I think that the world would still continue to move on. Um, I don't know about life because, you know, with the soul and stuff, but, um, but if that's the case, then he still could have like lots of connections that I can't put into words right yet. <laughs> <laughs> I but like, yeah. Saying, yeah. Like, yeah, if his contribution to our life, cycle to an extent, right, and exactly. His involvement is what makes it better, not worse. Which would make sense of to why like all of these, you know, diseases and birth defects can happen. Like, is God going to create a child with a birth defect? Like maybe he would, because maybe there's a purpose to it that we don't know, but I don't know. Like it, it makes more sense to me that that we have damaged the earth to the point where now it's messing up. And, and it says in the Bible, like the, the curse of the generation seven times seven or seven times 77 or whatever it is. And it's like, that's epigenetics, like the epigenetics oh, yeah. is in the Bible. And um, I only recently over the last year or two really made that connection. It's like, God actually talked about epigenetics in Genesis. And now we're just discovering that it's a thing. And so it, I want to go back and read some of those passages now about that to see how is the decisions that we make affecting our genes and passing down, you know, through, through the generations. And then we've just kind of screwed things up so badly that at some point, like the earth, that cycle is, is going to be disrupted to the point where it's not going to work anymore. And that's where, you know, I think we hit the end times and things get just all and God's like, okay, it's time to well, be done moving and forward. Just another thought to kind of wrap that up too is the idea that once sin entered into the world and once we had the knowledge of good and evil, death wasn't um, God being unkind. It was actually um, Him, a gift yes, yes. That, that said, hey, you don't have to live an eternal life, an, an eternity um, in this state that's going to get perpetually worse. An ending note. So I finally found the passage that I referenced earlier in this episode about angels learning from men uh, and where I was saying that I suspect that, and now it was confirmed because I did a little bit more digging, 
but confirmed that we are actually teaching angels. And so maybe, you know, our life and the purpose of our life is, is bigger than even what we suspect in the fact that we're a part of God's uh, creation to teach angels about his, his glory and his magnificence. So the passage that I was referencing is first Peter verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you talking about um, the prophets in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So then looking into the commentary on that particular verse, uh, I really enjoyed David Gusick's commentary. You can find it on EnduringWord.com. Uh, but he says for the, the part of the passage that said things which angel, angels desire to look into. The unfolding of God's eternal plan is something that angels desire to look into. Angels observe our conduct, making it necessary that Christians conduct themselves properly. And he references 1 Corinthians verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 9. For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. So um, he goes on to say part of God's eternal purpose is to show his wisdom to the angelic beings through his work with the church. And he quotes Ephesians 3, uh, 10 to 11, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to, by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, God wants the angels to look in on what he does in the church. And the idea is that the angels are bending over with the intense interest and desire to learn. Uh, and he kind of goes on a little bit more and just basically talks about how our conduct on earth and our relationship with him and with, with, um, through Jesus is, is teaching the angels. Um, and so that was what I was referencing when I said, perhaps there is a lot more behind his creation and his purposes than what we know. Uh, because of our role in how we're helping to teach angels. So that's pretty cool. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our mission on this podcast is to probe topics within the Christian faith to ensure that what we believe is in alignment with scripture and that we understand why we believe what we do. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to leave a five-star review and share it with a friend. Did this topic challenge your belief? Did we give you a new perspective? Or did it solidify what you already knew to be true? Leave us a comment and tell us your thoughts. We can't wait to hear from you.